When we disobey God, it gives the world opportunities to blaspheme God. When you obey God, even though the world may slander you and speak evil of you, God uses those things for redemptive opportunities. And that's much more important than your current circumstances and situations, what God is doing. Welcome to this Friday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we begin a three-part detour from our study in Colossians to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Yes, we will, Dave, and it's because we've come to a portion in Colossians which speaks of marriage, and I felt it would be good to go to 1 Peter chapter 3 to see specifically what God has to say about marriage for wives and then husbands. Okay, so let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're beginning with verse 1. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast, as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, Scripture makes it clear that the fall of man has affected every person. You see, in Romans chapter 3, Paul, quoting the Old Testament, says, There are none righteous, not even one. There are none who seeks God. They all have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And he shares in Romans 3.23, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, it's clear that sin affects every one of us, and therefore it affects every relationship. Now, certainly, our sin separates us from God until Christ bridges the gap through the forgiveness of sins he brought on the cross. But sin still affects relationships. It affects work, family, whatever it might be. Sin affects also, as we'll see today, the marriage relationship. Now, God in his redemptive discipline forewarns Adam and Eve of the consequences of their sin, of the fall. In Genesis 3.16, he says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children, or you could even say raise children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That's the result of the fall. The term desire speaks of hungering intent. The woman's hungering intent in terms of her spiritual state in sin is to be in control, as we'll see, towards her husband. And it also shows the intent and the sinful reality for husbands who are not following the Lord, that they will attempt to rule over their wives. The reality is, simply put, for women, sin causes her to desire to control her husband. And for men, sin causes them to harshly rule over and dominate their wives. This is the default state for every marriage apart from Christ. And yet, unfortunately, divorce statistics reveal it's the same state for many underlying marriages of those who claim to be believers. Now, today we come to a passage in which we're going to address God's desire for wives in the marriage relationship. And Lord willing, next week we'll look at God's desire for husbands. Now, as we look at this, I want to share a few caveats. One, that this passage is for everyone, as we're going to see, that the principles for wives apply to each and every one of us. We need to understand what a Christ-like life and heart looks like. 
And secondly, we need to understand that if you're a husband, please don't be during this message pointing and thinking about your wife. Seriously, be thinking about how it applies to your heart. And the same thing for wives next week. We need to address our own hearts. And then when we are right before the Lord, we can graciously and lovingly come alongside if needed. We need to address our own hearts here first. So please address your own hearts. And again, this is for those who are married. But as we're going to see, the principles apply to all of us. So if you're not married or you're a man, you may think, okay, this doesn't apply to me. But it does, as we're going to see. There are elements that secondarily apply to each and every one of us. So please pay attention. It's a wonderful passage. We need to learn to have the right heart attitude in the context of difficult situations. So with that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. And really, we're going to see what wives are to be. And I've had a bunch of different subtitles here. One of them is the silent preaching of a godly wife. The reality of what God does through a heart that is submitted to him, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Now, this is a long portion here, six verses, so I want to just briefly review the context. We're in the book of 1 Peter, and Peter is writing those who are suffering. They're in Asia Minor. They're just about to suffer a lot, about to enter into a fiery ordeal. And he has reminded them that they are aliens and sojourners, that this is not their home. He has reminded them of the great salvation they have in Jesus Christ. And although there are temporal trials now that God is using to refine us, ultimately we have this tremendous salvation that we should be rejoicing in. He's reminded them of how we should be, what we should be doing, that we should be fixing our hope on the grace to be brought to us when Christ comes. We're to live and be holy because he is holy. We're to live in the context of godly fear, and we are to love the body of Christ because we've been born again unto that. And we are to yearn for the pure milk of the word that by it we might grow in respect to salvation. Because what God is doing for those who have truly tasted his kindness is building us up as a holy temple. We are the priests offering holy sacrifices or sacrifices to him. We used to not be his people, but by his mercy we are his people. We're a distinct people to proclaim his excellencies. And then we came to the portion, chapter 2, of the application of the book, where we are to, as aliens and temporary residents, to stay far away from fleshly lusts, which wage war with our souls. Have you had a war this week? I'm sure we probably have. Each and every one of us is tempted in these areas. These things wage war. They battle against the soul. And then he says to keep our behavior, or keeping our behavior excellent, among Gentiles. So as they observe your good behavior and slander you for your good deeds, they might glorify God in the day of visitation. That's really the basis for what he shares in the rest of the book here. As we see our behavior in the midst of an ungodly world as we suffer for Jesus Christ. And how does that work? First of all, in ordered relationships. And he gives the commands for us within government to submit to government, to honor the king to fear and to pray for them, we see in 1 Timothy. And how those in the slave-master relationship are to function, which really mirrors our work relationship. We are to submit to those who are even harsh. We're to submit because it finds favor with God if we endure those things with our conscience towards God, not towards the situation. We endure those things. It finds favor with God. And then we saw that we've been called for this purpose as believers 
to suffer as Christ did, to follow in his footsteps. And what did he do? What was his pattern that we are to trace, that tracing pattern that we are to see? He didn't sin. He didn't sin by trying to get out of it or there was no guile found. He didn't try. It wasn't deceitful. He uttered no threats. Also, when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return and threatened, uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. And through that trust and obedience to the Father, he brought about our salvation where he bore our sins in his body, that we might die to sin and live to God. And ultimately, that by his wounds we have been healed, and we have now repented and turned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. It's at this point we come to chapter 3, where we have another relationship in which there is authority and submission. We see three of them. This is the third of them in First Peter, which we're going to see. And it has to do with husbands and wives. And it's quite possible that many of these people came to faith and maybe they didn't have believing husbands in that sense, possibly. You know, the reality is people come to faith and sometimes one of the spouses is not saved. And God places us in those situations as we are called. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 7. And there are other situations where people sin and marry a non-believing spouse. But God tells us how we are to respond, even if one was disobedient to the word. But the principles actually apply to every wife and everyone who will be a wife and we need to understand these things all of us so that we would understand what godliness looks like not only in our wives but in our own hearts again turn to first peter chapter three and we're going to be looking at verses one through six in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word They may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of the Lord. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. This is a tremendous passage. And whether you're a woman, married, unmarried, whether you're a man, whatever it might be, this is a tremendous passage because we see how we are to function the context of relationships in which we are to submit. But specifically here, it has to do with wives. So with that in mind, what are wives to be? We're going to see basically three things. First of all, notice wives are simply to submit. And ultimately, so that God might use their observable behavior, not their words, but their observable behavior for redemptive opportunities. And we're going to see those redemptive opportunities are not simply limited to a spouse, to those around as they see a godliness in a wife. And then thus people do not blaspheme God because one is in disobedience. Again, look at verse one. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they might be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Notice our passage begins with the term in the same, 
way. In the same way. We're going to look at that in a minute. It's really important. Keep that in mind. We're going to see the command first, but we're going to remember that it begins with, in the same way, pointing back to what he has just said, concerning Christ. Concerning Christ. Now this idea of submission is a hot button in some churches. Sometimes this biblical concept of submission causes anger, division, whatever it might be. And the so-called evangelical churches is highly divided over this idea of submission. But the reality is, there shouldn't be any argument or any divisiveness or any anger or anything because God simply says something and we're willing to submit to Him, then we understand that He has spoken and we submit to His Word. Look at this portion. You wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Obviously, we're speaking about marriage here. And remember, marriage was God's idea, not man's idea. Man didn't figure out marriage. God figured out marriage. Look in Genesis chapter 2. It was God's idea, not man's. And also remember that in the New Testament, marriage is not for everyone. Matthew 19, 12, 1 Corinthians 7, 25 to 35. If God wills you to be married, that's a good thing. If he wills you to be single, it is a good thing. God has ordained some are married and some are single. Paul had that gift of singleness, as we see in 1 Corinthians 7, which allows someone to serve the Lord in an undistracted manner. But regardless of whether you're married or not, these principles do apply, but specifically and primarily they apply to wives. So with that in mind, what does Scripture say? You wives, be submissive to your own husbands. It's a simple statement. But what does it mean? We've seen this word before, be subject or submit or, or be submissive. Hupotasso. The term hupo means under, and it means to be under. And tasso means to arrange or to line up. The idea is lining up or ordering under someone. It was used in a military sense of soldiers lining up behind the commanding officer, one submitting to their superiors. The word carries the idea of giving up one's will and lining up under the authority of another. Now it's important, this word does not address personhood, it addresses position. Position, not personhood. Biblical submission is an ordering under, a voluntarily lining oneself up under. It is subjection to God-given authority for God-ordained relationships. And we have seen this already, that God has ordained relationships in which there is submission. We saw in Romans 13 and also earlier in 1 Peter 2 that we are to be submitting to the governing authorities. We saw that servants are to submit to their masters. Titus 2 and 1 Peter 2. And even Ephesians. And scripture is clear that young men are to order themselves under their elders. First Peter 5, 5. And scripture is clear that we are to be in submission to Christ who is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 5. And certainly all of us within that are to submit to God. We see the exhortation in the context of adultery with the world to humble oneself and to submit to God and resist the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7. And our passage reveals that wives are to be submissive to, as we will see, to their own husbands. This is not a general command for wives to submit to men. It's not. It is for wives to submit to their own husbands. That's what it is. 
to place yourself under your husband's God-given authority. And as we will see, even if they are non-believers, even if they are disobedient to the word, which implies they're not the greatest people at this point. Place yourself under your husband's authority. And this is not a suggestion. It is a command. And if you choose not to voluntarily, willingly do this, you are outright disobeying God on a major level, and trouble is coming. You will reap what you sow. Just as we will see for the men, if we are disobedient, there is trouble. There is trouble in any area, and especially in these relationships which are so crucial and important. Now, this is not an isolated command in Scripture. It's actually in a whole bunch of places. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And after we look at the command, we'll get into what does it look like from the heart level. Because a lot of people will submit, ah, you know, okay, I'll do what he says, or whatever it is, you know. That's not submission as we're going to see. It's from a changed heart that is like Christ, that understands what God is doing, even in the midst of difficulty and unjust suffering, even in the marriage relationship. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, again, as to the Lord. As though you submit to the Lord, submit to your husband. God's placed him in your life. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. I'll read this for you. Colossians 3.18, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It is the right thing to do to be subject to your husbands. And we'll see what that means in a minute. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verse 3. Here we have Paul giving Titus sound doctrine. Sound doctrine that can only be done in the context of having been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ, who is instructing us now to deny ungodliness and worldly desires to live uprightly in this present evil age. Titus 2, verse 3. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage, the term encourage means to really put into the mind, right, thinking, the young women to what? Love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be dishonored. You know, when a wife does not place herself under the authority of the husband, it is dishonoring to God. The word dishonored, we'll see later on, means that the word of God might not be blasphemed or spoken against. We're going to see when we disobey God, it gives the world opportunities to blaspheme God. When you obey God, even though the world may slander you and speak evil of you, God uses those things for redemptive opportunities. And that's much more important than your current circumstances and situations, what God is doing. So with this in mind, does submission make a wife anything less? Wives, you are spiritually equal to your husband The reality is in Christ, we are the same. We've been all saved by the blood of Christ. There's no difference in a sense spiritually between a man and a woman. We are equals before the Lord. But there are roles that God has given. And husbands, we see that we better be careful. We'll see this next week, 1 Peter 3, 7, that we grant our wives honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life and we live according to knowledge, biblical knowledge, or our prayers will be hindered. Our relationship with God is hindered. So does submission make you anything less? If you think it does, you're sorely mistaken because of the example of Christ who submitted to the Father. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, yet God chose roles, and there was voluntary submission within those roles to bring forth our redemption. 1 Corinthians 11.3 But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. We see that Jesus Christ submitted himself to the Father in the role that he took on, and he is nothing less, he is not less in any way, shape, or form. And submitting to your husband does not make you less in any way, shape, or form. It is not about personhood, but about position in Christ. You are a joint heir of the grace of life. There's nothing more valuable than being his child, and we are men and women who have trusted in Christ, his children. Now, it's interesting, Scripture doesn't directly command wives to obey their husbands. It says to submit to them, to voluntarily order under. But we'll see later on in verse 6 that Sarah obeyed her husband, calling him Lord. In the context of submission, there is obedience, obviously. But it's not like a child where the children obey your parents and the Lord. This is a voluntary yielding to God's will in the context of an ordered relationship for his glory, as we'll see. Now, one caveat, as we'll see, biblical submission doesn't mean disobeying God. If your husband wants you to sin, you are not to submit. You must obey God over him. And the examples we have, we have a few examples in Scripture. We have in Acts chapter 5, when they were told not to preach of Jesus, they said we must obey God rather than men. In the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down and worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar. And they wouldn't do so, but they were respectful, but they wouldn't do so. Now, there are other things that are not absolutes that are different things. Like we see for Daniel in the Old Testament, in the ceremonial law, he didn't want to defile himself with the king's food. And he graciously and wisely petitioned in the context of trusting the Lord for something different. He didn't demand and say, hey, no way I'm eating your food. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do that. He submitted to his authority and he respectfully and wisely negotiated with those over him. What's my point? We need to obey God rather than man when your husband asks you specifically to sin. Maybe it's not to the point of being told to not worship the Lord or being his word or something like that. He says, hey, you can't go to church. Negotiate. I love you. I love the Lord. And I want to worship the Lord. How about this? How will this work? But there's a point where you need to say, you know, I love the Lord and I need to be obedient to him. Whatever it might be we're going to see that ultimately it's done in the context of a gentle and quiet, submissive spirit. Anything that's done, no matter what. Not confrontational. So, women are to submit to their husbands, and we see that's in everything. Back to our passage. Notice the manner in which women are to submit. We're going to see the manner. It's really an external manner and an internal manner, but then we'll see the heart issue in a second. Verse 1, in the same way... You wives be submissive to your own husbands. The term in the same way is translated in some versions likewise. And down in verse 7, it's the exact same Greek word for the husbands. Likewise are literally in the same way. I wish the NASB would have translated it the same. It's literally in the same way. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. 
You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, today you began to reveal a very important principle from First Peter. Yes, I did, Dave, and that principle has to do with submission in the ordered relationships that the Lord has ordained within the body of Christ. Now, specifically, we're going to look at wives submitting to husbands in the next few days, but after that, we're going to see what the husband's role is in the context of God's Word. So with this in mind, make plans to join us for our next edition of Equipping the Saints as we're looking at God's will for the marriage relationship. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again on Monday, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church. Yeah.